Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Uh, How many of you got to be here last week? Or if you didn't, you got to catch the audio archive of Adam's message last week? Anybody? Okay. Uh, Just curious, after last week, how how many of you uh, went home and tried LSD? Just curious, anybody? No? Okay, good. Uh, We actually don't endorse that. Uh, If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you should go back to the archive and and check it out. Um, Yes, we're taking a a stand today. Uh, We are not in favor of LSD. Very bold. I know it's a bold proclamation uh, to make. Uh, We're actually in a series called uh, Lifelong Journey. Uh, This is, I think, the fifth and final week, and we'll move on to something else next week. Um, First week, Adam did an introduction, and then he spent a couple weeks uh, with the Abraham story. And then last week, uh, he talked a bit about Isaac's story. And this week, I'm actually circling back to Abraham again, uh, something I wanted to talk about uh, in the life of Abraham. And I know it's not chronological, but he said I could talk about whatever I wanted to, and that's what I want to talk about. And so uh, when we're talking about a lifelong journey, uh, it's probably understood it's long, right? Lifelong journey. It's right there in the word, lifelong. So we're talking about a long journey. And when you're on a long journey, at some point, it's just in our nature to wonder uh, at some point along the way, are there any shortcuts? It's pretty natural, right? You're on a long journey. Are there any shortcuts? It's a pretty natural uh, question to ask. So whatever your destination may be, it stands to reason that you would like to get there as quickly as possible. Fair? Nothing too revelatory there. When you're on a long journey, you want to get there as quickly as possible. And that's regardless of the type of destination, that same kind of principle applies. So, for example, um, our family used to live in a neighborhood right across from Amazon, just over the hill there. And so any day when I would leave to go home for work, I had a choice to make. Do I want to go all the way down here to this traffic light like a chump and turn there? Or do I want to take the little shortcut through the RV park and shave 90 seconds off my commute, right? Such an easy question. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I'm taking that 90 seconds, and I'm taking the shortcut. Um, Some of us maybe, if you're like me, you have a little bit of an irrational, uh, you get irrationally annoyed by MapQuest when you're plotting out a long trip and they offer you like seven routes, and you're thinking, this is stupid. Just give me the quickest one. That's literally all I need, just the quickest one. I'm not even looking at the other ones. Uh, So those those are obviously physical types of destinations, but not just this principle doesn't just apply to physical destinations. It is in really any realm. So in the world of business, you want to be successful, right? You want to be successful, and hopefully sooner rather than later, You have student loans to pay after all, right? So you want to be successful as quickly as possible. Uh, So in the world of business, are there any shortcuts? Uh, Maybe you have family plan, right? You have a family plan, family destination or dream or goal or whatever. And so you want to have the 2.5 kids by the time you're 30 and so on. And, And so you have this destination in mind. And so 
What are, the, what are the shortcuts? Are there shortcuts? Is there a way to expedite this process and get to where I want to go? And I think this even applies to our spiritual journey. This applies to our spiritual journey, which is a lifelong journey, right? And so hopefully, if you're on a spiritual journey with Jesus, part of your goal, part of your destination is to be more like Jesus. It's kind of the destination. So we're wondering, how fast can I get there to? Like, give me the book with the three steps that I can buy, and I'll read it, and then I'll know exactly how I can be like Jesus, and it'll be quick. Ta-da. Now I'm like Jesus. So these are all questions we ask, regardless of the journey that we're on. And unless you are like my friend Rob Collins who, and this is not a joke, Rob has really intentionally cultivated this kind of, this spiritual practice of learning how to just be in the moment, right? So unless you're one of those people like Rob, chances are you are driven a lot by this, this question of where am I going and how fast can I get there, right? Where am I going and how, how fast, how quickly can I get there? Um, now, uh, I, I don't believe that all shortcuts are bad, but I obviously have some concerns. You can probably tell that's where I'm going with this. I have some concerns about the, the approach, the, the taking, the seeking of, uh, of shortcuts. And so, like I said, we're going to circle back to Abraham. Uh, we're going to start Genesis 15. We're going to start there, 15, 1 through 5. All right, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This is before his name was changed to Abraham. Came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Uh, came to him. The man will not, this man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. We're going to skip ahead a little bit to chapter 16. So here's this promise. All right, and Abraham is already getting up in age a little bit. So here's this promise. You're going to have your own flesh and blood son. All right? Now Sarah... Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Now this is her, uh, her ironclad foolproof plan here. What could go wrong? Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. What could go wrong? Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham, or after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be with his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, no one could have foreseen what was about to happen, right? When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. He said, your slave is in your hands. 
Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So she fled. Uh, the Lord comforted her, met her, encouraged her to come back. And so this hostility uh, continued on for a while. And, of course, she gave birth to a son. I'm skipping a little bit. She gave birth to a son and named him Ishmael. <coughs> All right, so let's uh, skip ahead to, ver- uh, to chapter 22. Now, it would stand to reason, and if you know the story, you know eventually the promise is fulfilled. Abraham and Sarah have a son. They name him Isaac. And so maybe, just maybe, this will kind of placate the hostility in the household. Not so lucky. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac weaned Abraham, he, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God uh, said to him, Do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. And he did send them off. All right, so I would say this is an example of a bad shortcut, a not-so-good shortcut. Abraham and Sarah wanted a child. God gave them a promise. It wasn't happening, at least that they could see. And so they made their own plan, tried to make their own path. Tried to take a shortcut. Now, we see some immediate results that are pretty obvious right there at the surface. There's strife in the home, this fractured household. That's obvious. And then we also see, you know, most faith traditions, they, you know, uh, look at the the lineage of Judaism and Christianity, and it all kind of traces back to Isaac. And then the Arab world all kind of traces back to Ishmael. And so uh, you could look at this and say this shortcut kind of resulted in, you know, Thousands of years of, you know, religious war and hostility and culture wars and so on. So let me, let me just speak this, uh, this word of, of grace to you that, you know, even right now you're probably doing a little bit of math maybe, being a little introspective and thinking, man, what kind of shortcuts have, have I taken or on the verge of taking that maybe aren't so good? Uh, well, whatever mistakes you've made, it's probably not going to result in a thousand years of religious war and conflict. So let's just breathe a little bit, you know, that's... Probably not something we have to worry about, but it's part of this story. So there was definitely some, the the point here is there's some immediate uh, uh, immediate, uh, consequences, and then also some that are kind of put in the ground uh, that'll, that'll come to fruition later. So here's a big question. Why? Abraham had already had quite an experience with the Lord. Plenty of reason to trust the Lord. Why the shortcut? And there's probably a lot of reasons why people seek shortcuts. And I think I've honed in on, at least to me, what seem to be three pretty common elements when you take a shortcut. Impatience, mistrust, and fear. I think those are pretty common traits in situations like this. So specifically with Abraham and Sarah, they were impatient, tired of waiting, 
right? They have this promise, it's not happening, let's get on with it, we're getting older, they're impatient, okay? Uh, mistrust, and so this could be considered a couple different ways. Did they not trust the Lord that he was going to fulfill his promise? Maybe they kind of lacked uh, this, this trust that they, that they heard correctly. So they kind of justify this thing. And uh, Sarah even says, you know, God's causing me not to have kids. So, you know, they're, they're trying to wrap their brain around it. Maybe we just didn't understand the promise. Maybe it's not through me because he did. You know, he told Abraham, you'll have a son. He didn't tell Sarah directly that she would have a son, right? So, so they kind of justify. They don't really trust the promise, Right? And fear, I'm sure there was an element of fear involved there too. Like, will this promise actually happen? I already mentioned they're already getting older. They're already clearly going to be the oldest parents at the soccer fields. And they're doing this math and they're probably just afraid, right? Fear, impatience, mistrust, fear. And they kind of justify their plan to chart their own course. Now, obviously, let's uh, stew for a minute like on, on impatience. Let's park on that one for a minute. Uh, This is not a new issue. Impatience. Clearly, that's not not a new thing. Where did this come from? When did people start becoming impatient? Uh, Not a new new issue, not a new phenomenon. But I also don't think that it's ever been more prevalent than it is maybe in our culture. Uh, We are really obsessed with, with speed, okay? We want things to happen for us quickly, and I think it's being like grafted into our culture so much and earlier and earlier and earlier it's like becoming part of our DNA like our, our kids certainly are expecting things even quicker than, than we did right and so on we're obsessed with speed click list Kroger click list not a bad thing right not really a bad thing but it's kind of funny I am not going in that store <laughs> you can literally have a dream about something, a product or something, pops up in your dream, and the next morning, it's on your news feed and Facebook, and before you get dressed, it's on your, (laughs) Amazon has dropped it off on your porch, true story, no, not too far off, right? Has anyone experienced this? You're having a conversation, and then that product pops up on Facebook, right? I keep hearing people talk about this. Yep, it happens. It is real, guys. Black mirror. <laughs> it's happening. I don't lose my cool very often, but if you want to see me lose my cool, come over to our house uh, and watch something with us on Netflix or something when the internet is slow. <laughs> That's when you'll get to see who Andrew Ward really is. I love comedy, and there's just nothing worse. And you're watching a, a comedy, and you know they're, they're about to land the big joke and buffer. <laughs> there's really no harsher critique, no criticism, no insult in the world of technology that you could make than to compare it to dial-up, right? That's like the biggest shot. That's the haymaker, the uppercut. This is... Yeah, hey, uh, I'm thinking of trying this new internet provider. Have you heard anything about it? Oh, man, it's like dial-up. I'm done. I'm not even going there, not even thinking about it. Kids these days, 
like, uh, I don't know, are there any kids in the room here, uh, 11 or, or 10 years old, Hannah, just today at lunch, go home and ask your parents what it was like to grow up, grow up in the dial-up age. Have them regale you with stories of those dark days of dial-up and suffering under it. Speed, right? We want speed. We want speed. We're obsessed with it practically. Okay, so a few more examples, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I think is actually kind of the, the really the common thing, the issue with some of these shortcuts and why, why there's a problem. And I think part of the problem here is when people are only focused on the destination and not at all on the journey. I think part of this problem with, with shortcuts is when we're so focused on the destination but not on the journey. I think that's for two reasons. One is we're not always going where we think we are. So if we put all our proverbial eggs in one basket so we think we're going to this place, we think we're heading this direction, and we're just kind of all in, and we don't give any thought to the journey and we're only banking on the destination, we can really kind of set ourselves up, Right? And then I also think it's a problem because how we get there, this is the second thing, how we get there is largely what forms us. Okay? Destination is obviously important. But we're not always going where we think we're going, and how we get there is what, is what forms us. So some examples. It's sad to me when I see folks who, who really don't, they don't have... Like, just don't have anything. They don't have any money, and they're buying lottery tickets. They have a destination in mind, which is good. Like, you know, I want something better. I want to be in a better position. I want more provision. They're taking the eye off the journey. So what's the result? They don't win the lottery, and now they have less than they did when they started, right? Eye on the destination, not considering the journey. Uh, there are a lot of really good um, work-from-home models. There's some really good ones out there. They're above board, and they're structured well, good products, etc. There, but there's also some that are um, maybe not as trustworthy, maybe, that are maybe even a little dangerous. Um, and what's concerning about some of these business models is that they'll sell a destination... And, and misrepresent the process of getting to the destination. So, hey, do you want to work from home? Do you want extra spending money? You want a vacation? Right? We've all heard these things, right? Not so much telling you that what it will ultimately come down to is big investment from you up front, such a time investment that you might have to quit your job now to really make this work before you've arrived, right? And you need to leverage your family and friends to make it work, right? Some of them are great, but some of them are selling a destination and not being particularly transparent about the process. Okay, I have a super embarrassing story to share, so you'll want to take notes for this. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I went to Carson Newman College, which is 
a little Baptist school much like Campbellsville, very similar. And uh, my freshman year, uh, well, I had, you know, a great experience. And the, uh, if you know, you know, beginning of school, they usually have like this welcome week. Most schools do something like this, where at the very beginning, uh, they're trying to get, particularly the new, uh, the new students, whoops, that was, un- that was an unfortunate slip of the tongue. Um, yeah, well... Wait till you hear the rest of the story. So <laughs> they, uh, they want to get all the students, particularly the new students, uh, involved right off the bat. And there was this ridiculous tra- uh, uh, tradition. I have no idea how this started. But at this little Baptist school, one of the first days of Welcome Week, um, after the regular event, they had a panty raid. Okay, let me tell you more details. Okay, so this is how this, is how this happened. Uh, the guys would go to the, to the women's dorm, and we would stand on the lawn. They would have a balcony, and we would sing, You Are My Sunshine, right? As if it made this whole thing any sweeter. <laughs> the girls would throw the garments. They would come out on the balcony. You'd throw the garments out. And we were just, you know praying that it was stuff they just happened to buy that. Anyway, whatever. So they, they throw these garments out, and then um, we go to the guys' dorm, and we do the same thing. The guys go up on their balcony. The girls come over. They sing a song, and we're throwing boxers and tidy whities because this is in the 90s, and people still wore those. And we, we're throwing this out, and then it gets better. <laughs> it couldn't get worse. We converge on the street outside the dorm, and this incredible shaving cream fight ensues. So if you've ever seen like pictures of you know, the, the tomato festival in Spain, right? Yeah. It's like this, but really weird and not as fun. Um, so head to toe, everybody's white, covered in shaving cream, and it's... Somebody should do like a case study on this because 70% of the people out there, you know, hours before couldn't look anyone else in the eye because they're freshmen and they're scared to death. And now we're like, you know, throwing underwear around and smashing shaving cream in each other's faces. It's, it was, it's so weird and crazy. So there was this tradition, right? This Welcome Week tradition. So fast forward um, uh, several years later, Dave Walters at Campbellsville University, makes a tremendous error in judgment and hires me to be the student activities director at Campbellsville University. <laughs> and I knew just a couple of people up here. I was from Tennessee, and I only knew a few people up here. But one of the people I knew was Dr. Carter, because um, he had served at Carson Newman during my time there. And so uh, we had had just a little conversation, and he was being very sweet and saying, you know, he's excited that I'm going to be there. And and at the time, Campbellsville didn't have a lot of like these activity type traditions. And he was like, yeah, I just, I really hope that, you know, maybe we can bring some of these, you know, traditions uh, and get some started up here at Campbellsville. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he wants me to do the panty raid. <laughs> in retrospect... I don't think that's exactly what he was saying. So one of my first meetings with the student leaders, all right, this is my first 
chance. This is before school starts. The student leaders, they report early, like the RAs and some of the other folks. And these are the people that I kind of need. Like, I need my corner. If we're, like, going to do anything great and exciting, like, I kind of need these people uh, to, <laughs> to be with me. And so our very first meeting, and, I'm, and I go, hey, guys, what would you think about a panty raid? <laughs> and it went just as well as you think it would. there could be a thought bubble above the collective crowd, they would all be thinking, why didn't I apply for this job? (laughs) I I had a destination in mind, right? And there was nothing wrong with what I had in mind. I I, I wanted, maybe I couldn't even exactly verbalize it, but that, that experience that I had, the activity, the community, the energy, the life, um, I wanted to, to try and do that here, right? So I had this destination in mind, and I gave hardly any consideration to the process. The result? Uh, some of those students were very kind, and they gave me the benefit of the doubt, and you know, they, they certainly helped me. Some of them it took a little bit longer to win over, I think. And then I'm pretty sure some of them I never really won over. Uh, I'm pretty sure like they never really trusted. You know, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And all because I wasn't thinking about the process, right? They didn't know me. I didn't know them. Why, you know, why can't I just say, hey, what are some things you've done? What, how did they work? What didn't work? You know, there's so many different avenues I could have explored other than giving the worst possible idea right off the bat, right? <laughs> I had a destination in mind, but I, I did not consider the process. Uh, let's bring in a little bit about the, the church, some shortcuts that I feel like the, the church is, is taking. By the church, uh, I mean a little bit broader sense, not just the vineyard, but the church. One shortcut I feel like the church is trying to take is they're trying to expand the kingdom, but through, through, through power, right? This is not a new thing. Uh, the disciples, uh, especially early on, seemed to be frustrated that Jesus wasn't as expanding his kingdom through more like militant type of action and activity. This is not a new thing, but it's really pre- prevalent today. Because what we see is we see the church seeming to clamor for, for power and to see things change through like legislation. And we're putting our, our faith in the in politics and things like that. Being, being involved and being engaged is, good, is, is a good thing. But I think what I'm seeing, I feel like what we're seeing is that somewhere the church is kind of losing ourselves along the way. So here's, uh, here's an example. And this is a little test that I like to try uh, or, and that I want to, to do on myself from time to time. Um, and I'll use... Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I lean conservative, so I'll use a conservative example because that's just in the political realm. That's just kind of where I personally, uh, personally land. So I'll use that as an, as an example. So let's say um, President Trump, um, just making something up off the top of my head. Let's say he says something ridiculous on Twitter. <laughs> Not that that would ever happen. Let's say he says something about having, you know, the, the biggest, most powerful nuclear button, you know, I don't know, just something crazy, right? 
Let's say he says something like that. And naturally, a lot of folks would converge on him, right? Beat him up on Twitter and, and talk about how stupid he is or whatever, like all those things. So as a kind of conservative-leaning person, my first response might be to jump to the defense, right? So here's a little test. Here's a little test I want to run on myself would be to say, okay, if somebody on the other side of the political spectrum said that same thing, would I be jumping to their defense? Another example. Somebody that kind of aligns with my way of thinking, my ideology, uh, does something that's praiseworthy. Sign a bill that seems like it's a good idea. Uh, they do uh, something generous. They, I, I don't know, fill in the blank. But they do something that seems worthy of some applause. If somebody on the other side of the spectrum did the same thing, would I applaud them? It's illuminating, I think, when there's people in power that check the boxes. And to us, those people can do no wrong. And people on the other side of the spectrum that don't check our boxes can do no right. I think that's illuminating to my character, right? Am I more concerned with being right or what's right? So a week like the week we just, as a country, experienced with uh, the tragic shooting Tuesday, okay? There's usually this really small window where people are just... Thoughts, prayers, condolences, and then after just a little bit of time, then everybody's back to the soapboxes, right? There are certain positions. Some folks fixate on the how, like how does this keep happening? That conversation's usually around gun control or something like that. And then some folks are, uh, they're fixated on the why. No, 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 it's not about guns. It, it, it's, it's a mental health issue. And no, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a sin problem, right? And... And, but everybody has like a certain, not everybody, a lot of folks, and particularly folks that have some sort of political office or influence, they have a platform, an agenda. So what do we see as a result? No progress, right? Because it seems that folks are more concerned with being right than making progress. But I think it's safe to say that regardless of the political leanings, everybody kind of has the same destination in mind in this issue, right? They want it to stop. Everybody wants it to stop, right? Nobody doesn't want it to stop. Everybody wants it to stop. But what's going to happen? People, if nobody budges, what happens if nobody listens to each other? What happens if we only get more and further entrenched on our one idea? The reality is, it's probably not just one thing anyway, right? There's probably a little truth in all of these things. But will there be progress until we can talk, until we can listen, until we can budge? 
So the problem with some, so this essentially is a shortcut. We're, we're hoping that legislation will save the day, right? And that's the problem with shortcuts is they, they can influence and illuminate our character. And it, sometimes it shows that we're more concerned with being right than, than doing right. I'll frame it another way. What, so, so what if you reach, well, we'll switch back to like the business world. What if you reach your dream business destination only to find that you don't like the person you became along the way? See, it's harder to work with people. It takes patience. It takes listening. It takes time. And it's really, really, really hard. Right? It's the harder road. So here's, here's the question we, we should ask when we're confronting with certain paths and one may appear to be a shortcut. What's driving you? Impatience? Fear? Fear of the, of the harder work? trust or the lack of trust? What's driving you? If these are the kinds of things that are motivating you, pushing you towards a certain path, then maybe that's not the best path. But, but there are some good types of shortcuts too. And how do we know these shortcuts? How do we know the good, the better path, the good shortcuts? Um, it's fairly simple. I think listening to the Father all right, there's your Sunday school answer, listening to the Father, uh, listening to others, the, the wisdom of others, listening to the, to the experience of others, considering that, learning from the mistakes of others. Is it good to make your own mistakes? Well, sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, nobody's perfect, and you, you learn through, through your mistakes, but you know, sometimes it's actually okay to learn from other people's mistakes. That's good, too. If... Your parent, one of your parents married a, t- a terrible person. <laughs> one of your parents married a terrible person. You don't have to marry a terrible person. I actually advise you marry a really good person, right? You can learn from the mistakes of others, right? That's okay. We can learn from other people. All right, uh, let's go back to Abraham uh, one more time. Chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. So they, by this point, uh, the promise had been fulfilled. He had, uh, Abraham and Sarah had their son, Isaac. So now they have the one son. And God said, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Oof. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. We had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out to, uh, for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance, said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. Um, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, 
God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abram built the altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, I am here. Or here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then he found a ram in the thicket and, and he did, in fact, supply the sacrifice. All right, so first of all, is it fair? Is it fair to even call this a shortcut? I think so. Here's what we don't get to see. What we don't get to see is what would have happened had Abraham not obeyed. All right, so maybe this is me speculating a little bit, but I feel safe in speculating a little bit that had he not obeyed, there would have been some sort of detour, right? Maybe the destin- some of the destination wouldn't have changed. I don't know, but surely there would have been some sort of detour. What a stark contrast to the earlier story. What was really so different? It's not like he had more details. And if anything, this was a harder thing, a much harder thing that he asked. Before, it was a promise, like something, God, I'm going to give you. And he got impatient and couldn't wait. And this one, he's like asking him to sacrifice his son that he loves. It's a harder ask, right? But what was so different? Between that moment and this moment, somewhere along the way, Abraham learned to trust. He surely was afraid, but he wasn't ruled by fear. And he was patient. I mean, I have to think, I have to think somewhere in Abraham's mind, he was like, is this really happening? Is this going to happen? Like, but he, he just, he, he did it. He was patient. So, how do we recognize a good or bad shortcut? How do we recognize the two? We see Abraham taking a bad one. We see him taking a good one. What about for us? Well, the good news is I think it's possible. All right? I think it's possible to be able to navigate this journey and recognize the 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 negative, the the dangerous shortcuts from the life-saving shortcuts, right? So the good news is I think it's possible. And if you buy my book with the three easy steps on how to know the difference, you'll... Gotcha. Set you up. Um, All right, I'll tell you one more personal story. Uh, When I was starting sixth grade... I remember like the first day, I think this was the first day. It was one of the first days of school. And an 11-year-old, um, you may not know this now, but I used to have red hair. That makes you a target in middle school. So here's this little red-headed kid with, uh, you know, just chock full of insecurities. And I get out of the car, and I'm about to walk into the school, and I'm walking into school, something like this. For you guys, leaning forward. 
leaning forward, <laughs> a physical man- manifestation of anxiety and nervousness and fear. <laughs> and my dad from the car My dad from the car just says, son, don't lean forward. (laughs) So simple, so insignificant, seemingly insignificant. I just stop, straighten up, probably just breathe a little bit, and I walk into the school. And that little thing, I don't know, something right then was kind of imparted uh, into me, right? The ground didn't shake. The heavens didn't open. There wasn't an angelic host. We didn't stop and have a Bible study. He didn't explain anything to me. But there was something. And it's something that I've kind of carried and something that, you know, this is, I'm 42 now. I was 11. Three decades kind of carried this. And it's, it's at least part of the reason why I can speak, I can do theater, and I can converse with people, and I can do conflict resolution, and I can do, have hard conversations, and, and, and partly because of something my, my dad just really subtly spoke. And what does this have to do uh, with... You know, you know, knowing, knowing the path and knowing the shortcut. Well, in this case, in spite of like the hecticness of kids going into school, dad didn't yell at me. And I don't even think he said my name. I think he said, in my memory, it's son, don't lean forward. He didn't even say my name. But I knew his voice. Through, through the crowd, I knew his voice. And beyond that, <clears throat> I trusted him. So there wasn't a need for a back and forth. There wasn't a need for, why? What's the big deal? Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, or, or any of that. Like that. I just trusted him. He said, he said to straighten up, so I straightened up. And so just that, that, that physical act of standing up and just collecting my breath. But I, just, I knew his voice and I trusted him, and I've remembered for 30 years, I'm just in that little moment, kind of gone back to you. So the good news, it's, it's possible. But we need to know his voice. But why is the road so, so often so long and so challenging, right? This lifelong journey, why is it so hard? All right, here's the deal. God is not being closed-fisted with us, Right? He's not toying with us for his entertainment. It's not a sign. The fact that the road is hard and sometimes winding, it's not a sign that, uh, of the Lord's indifference or even his punitive attitude for us. No, it's actually a sign of his kindness. The long, challenging road is what refines us. It's what strengthens us. It's what shapes us. It's like the process that turns coal to diamonds. It's like the process of exercising your body. It's hard and painful, 
from what I hear from people that exercise. <laughs> but the bad news is, it takes time. Actually, that's not even bad news. It's actually good news. So how can we differentiate? We know his voice. We trust him. We're patient. And don't be afraid. And stand up straight. <laughs> Ministry team, come on up. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.